0: Of the, the simple truths of God's Word when we sing them um, in the Bible Hour song time, so wonderful. Such a blessing here. Thank you, Mr. Toole, for, for leading those. Several weeks ago, a pastor shared from 1 Peter about the spiritual battle that we face as believers and the need for each of us to gird up the loins of our mind and to be sober because we have an adversary, the devil, that is seeking to devour us. What I'd like to look at this morning is really a follow-up to the message and a reminder that the battle is real and also looking at how God has provided a way for each of us as his children to find protection and be victorious in every battle that we face. So turn with me, if you would, over to Psalm chapter 91. Psalm chapter number 91. We read in this chapter of how God has made available to us a level of protection that is far beyond anything that's humanly possible. We find in this chapter not only the promise of protection, but how we can confidently abide under that protection. So we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 of this chapter. Follow as I read, Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the importance of dwelling in the secret place. But just as we get started here, let's ask the Lord's blessing on this time. Father in heaven, we pray that you would open these truths to our heart, that we may be encouraged and, and blessed to find what you have promised to us in, in this area of, of the spiritual warfare. I pray, Father, that you would give our eyes understanding and open the... I pray that the, that the words that are spoken today from your word would fall upon good ground. Lord, please guide my lips that they would say only what you want me to say. Lord, may your children be encouraged and find hope in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. If I were to sum up Psalm 91 in a sentence, it would be finding protection from harm in God. Finding protection from harm in God. We look at, look at verse 2 there. It says, the Lord, he, the Lord is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. You know, we've been so blessed to live in a time where we don't really face a, a physical threat um, to our lives. We don't live with a day-to-day threat of somebody attacking us. And, and we're so blessed that the concept of needing a refuge and a fortress is somewhat foreign to our thinking. We look at verses like verse 2 here and, and, and think, well, hey, you know, if... If I was ever in a time of war, I, I sure would want God as my protector. Or, or maybe, you know, things are looking pretty bleak out there. I, I think I might need that protection before too long. And you know, it's so easy to think of our, of our need of protection from a physical standpoint. And we neglect the greater need of our spiritual protection. Ephesians 6.12, in in the passage on the armor of God, we read, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I don't doubt for a minute that God does provide physical protection. I've seen that over and over in my life and in many others' lives. And he does care about our physical well-being, But there's a greater spiritual danger that far outweighs our need of physical safety. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The greatest threat that we face in this life as believers is a threat to the health of our souls by an adversary that we are unable to stand against. We are in a serious battle, and not a day goes by in the, the battleground of your life where either God or Satan gains ground. It's a battle that's between God's will and Satan's will. It's not God's will and my will and Satan's will because, listen, if it's, if it's not God's will... It's Satan's will. There's no middle ground there. It's a battle that not only determines your usefulness for God, but also the usefulness of all those that God wants to use you to influence. It's a battle that we are incapable of fighting without the protection of God. But it's a battle that has already been won. Christ won the victory on the cross over sin and death over, over 2,000 years ago the battle that we f- that we fight today is against a foe that has already been defeated so why then do we need this protection why do we need this protection why is there still a battle and here's why it's because the adversary who is walking about like a roaring lion is a master deceiver and he'll do everything he can to make you think he's still in control He'll do everything he can to make you think that you can ever live a victorious, spirit-filled life. But it's all a lie. Praise the Lord, it's all a lie. Jesus warned us that deception was how the, the devil would operate. He said in John 8, the devil is a liar and the father of it. You see, the foundation of every attack that Satan launches against us is untruth. It's how he he operates. And without Jesus, every one of us would be led astray by his lies. See, untruth is the, the flame on those fiery darts. The Bible says the devil is constantly throwing at us. We need God's protection. We cannot live victoriously without it. Before I move on from this point, I want to be clear that the devil isn't to blame for our sin. He can't make us sin. We have to choose his way in order to sin. His evil work is is simply to exploit the weakness of our flesh and to push us to do what we do anyway without the help of God. That's why we're commanded to mortify or put to death the the deeds of our flesh and be filled with the Spirit. So here's where we're at in this message, and I'm sure I belabored the point, but we have a dangerous adversary that we need God's protection from. And if that's where all if if, if if all we knew was that we had a dangerous adversary that we were unable to stand against, we would be of all men most miserable. But God. But God made a place of protection against the adversary. And that's what Psalm 91 is concerned with. So look with me at verse 1 of Psalm chapter 91. He says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. See, Psalm 91 here opens with them, if this, then that statement. If you're dwelling in the secret place, then you'll be under the shadow Of the Almighty. The psalmist is telling us here of a promise that is effective if a a condition is met. The promise is that we shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The condition is if you're in the secret place. So let's look at the promise first and and then we'll look at the condition. The, The promise of abiding under the shadow is a word picture that speaks of God's protection over us. Now, if I could ask you a couple of questions so you can interact with me a little bit here. Think of a shade tree. A shade tree, how relevant is that this week? How many people have been under a shade tree this week? Yes, yes, a lot of us. So when you were under that shade tree, why did you go there? Can you want to answer that? Why did you go under the shade tree? Protection. Protection. We like to abide under the shadow of a tree to find protection from the heat of the sun. So if we want to benefit from the protection of a shade tree, where do we go? Now, this is a really, a really simple question. Do we go towards the tree or away from it? And the answer is towards it, okay? Now, one more, one more question here. If the shade tree is over there and I'm over here, Is there shade available to me? And the answer is yes. Yes, it is available. The shade, the protection of the tree is there, but there's a condition to accessing that shade. You have to get near the tree. The shadow of the Almighty is God's protection that is made available to us and can be found when we get near the tree, when we get near to God. So that's the promise. The condition is how can we, so now let's look at the condition. How can we access that promise? It's called dwelling in the secret place. But what is the secret place, and and how can I dwell there? Understanding what the secret place is, is key to understanding God's protection, is key to accessing God's protection for us now the short answer is the secret place is a place that is near to God it's a place where you are in his presence in fellowship with him now that's the short answer and if you ask my siblings I'm not always content with the short answer (laughs) so just a little side note here before we continue on, on faith. I know it's hard for our earthly minds to, to grasp being in the presence or being in fellowship with one that you cannot see or feel. But what you have to understand is this is not a, a physical reality. This is a spiritual reality. See, God isn't bound by a body to, to a, a time or a place like we are. But we are told that he made us in his image. And though he made us physical beings, there's also a part of our makeup that is spiritual. We can understand things that we can feel and, and, and touch and smell and hear and see. But we have a hard time comprehending the spiritual side of us that, that God put in us to be able to relate to him. And that's why faith is so important. Faith is trusting to be true what we cannot now see. Faith in God is believing that what God says is true even when we don't understand it completely. We can depend on him to help us to understand more fully what this is talking about. So let's go back to the psalm and and see what we can clean, trusting God to give us an understanding of, of the secret place. It's not clear who wrote this psalm, but whoever it was, it would seem that he had in mind a very special place called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was a a room in the the tabernacle and and later in the temple where where dwelt the very presence of God. It's where God chose to manifest His presence and and dwell among His people. One of the hints that we have that suggests this is the wording used in verse 4 where He speaks of, "...under His wings shalt thou trust," probably in reference to the, the cherubim over the Ark of the Covenant. But of all the children of Israel, there was only one that had the privilege of entering into the Holy of Holies, and that was the high priest. And he only had that privilege once a year. For the high priest, it certainly would have been a fearful thing to to enter the presence of God, but I believe if he had a a right perspective, there had to be a level of, of comfort in knowing that he was standing before the supreme ruler of the universe. He was standing before the one who answers to no one. He was standing before the one who accomplishes his will by the word of his mouth. He was standing before one whose every action shows just how loving and and kind and merciful and holy and just and righteous he is. Now when the high priest was entering the Holy of Holies, he was entering the secret place of the Most High. He was entering the presence of God in in close communion with him, and it was a place where no evil could touch him. Did you know that we have that same privilege? Every child of God has the privilege of entering into the presence of God. And I'm not talking about a future time in heaven beyond this life I'm talking about right now. Every one of us can come boldly to him and and live and walk with him every moment of the day. And how do we know that? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll look at this briefly. Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 22. We're told here in this passage that Jesus, who became our mediator, lives inside of us, giving us direct access to the very presence of God. Follow as I read here with some commentary. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We can come boldly to God because Jesus gave us direct access to the holiest, to the very presence of God. And this is how he made it possible. It says in verse 20, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. See, the new and living way is, is the way of salvation through the finished work of Jesus. He continues, and, and having a high priest over the, how, over the house of God, and based on these facts, here's the invitation, let us draw nigh with a true heart, with, in full assurance of sight. Is that what it says? No. Let us draw nigh, not by how we feel, not by what we see, but by faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Just like the high priest entered the presence of God, we as believers are invited to draw near to the presence of God. The privilege of walking hand in hand with God on this earth is, is ours. And when we are in his presence, we are in fellowship with him. We are what the psalmist calls here is in the secret place of the Most High. So here's the point dwelling in the secret place is when we are in fellowship with God. I believe that we could read, he that dwells in the secret place is he that lives in in fellowship with God. But fellowship, what is that? To me fellowship is one of the words that, easier, that is easier to understand by describing it rather than defining it with a couple of words. So I'm going to try to describe it here in a way that I hope will be a help to you as it, as it was to me. So let's start by looking at what it means to have fellowship with another person. Fellowship is when people interact with each other because they share a common interest. And that fellowship continues as long as there are no problems between those individuals. When we gather as a church to fellowship each Sunday, there is a common interest that we gather for or ought to gather for. And the first interest is to glorify God, to to worship Him and to to show Him worth. And the the other reason, the other interest that we would gather for is to edify each other so a fellowshipping is something that takes place when we share a common interest. The only way we can have fellowship with God is when we get interested in what God is interested in. So what is God interested in? Well, He is interested in your salvation. God was so interested in your salvation that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for your sin and for mine. And I believe we can say yes, as if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you can say yes. That's something that I'm interested in. That's something that I've with God over. Another thing that God is interested in is He's interested in your sanctification. Sanctification is being set apart from God and from setting set apart to God from sin and from our own way. In our own flesh, we often don't want to be set apart from our own plans or desires. But letting God change our desires to make us interested in what he is interested in is the key to our fellowship with him. Another thing that God is interested in is he is interested in using your life to bring glory to him. Now, this is something we're not always as interested in as we ought to be. Many times we're more interested in glorifying ourselves and bringing bringing fame to ourselves instead of making God look good. And when we are interested in glorifying ourselves, we're not in fellowship with God. But you know another thing that God is interested in is he is interested in you. God is interested in a close, personal, and loving relationship with you. And the way that we reciprocate that interest is By desiring and seeking a close, personal, and loving relationship with Him. Back to the shade tree example. If there's a barrier, like like a fence or a large object between me and the tree, I won't be able to get to it. I won't be able to get the protection that I need. But you know, there's only one person that can install the barrier between me and God and that's me there's only one person that can install a barrier between you and God and that's you sin hinders our fellowship with God and and just an important side note I believe on on that subject and is addressing relationship versus fellowship see sin hurts our fellowship with God but if we've received Him as our Savior, that doesn't change. It doesn't change our relationship with Him. It's like this. I'm, I am the son of Phil Vanderwerf. Nothing can change that. If I do wrong against Him, it doesn't mean that I'm not His son anymore. It just means that there's a break in my fellowship with Him. And it's the same way with God. Trusting Christ for our salvation secures our relationship, and nothing can change that. When we do wrong against him, our, our fellowship is broken, but that doesn't mean we're not his child anymore. Are you living in fellowship with God? Something that can be as as real and genuine and, and a delight to your soul as, as talking talking with another individual, talking with God, sharing your burdens, and and rejoicing in who he is. It's something that can be as normal as as talking with another person. And here's why that fellowship is, is so important. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, under the protection of the God of this universe under the protection of the I Am, of Jehovah Sabaoth, which is, which is the word for his, He is the Lord of hosts of armies. That's the protection that I want. If you are to be victorious in the battle, the key is in the secret place, the only place that you'll find God's protection. You won't find protection by going your own way and doing your own thing. Remember, if we want protection from the shade of a tree, we run towards it, not away from it. Have you ever noticed that shadows stay very tightly to the objects that make them? Have you ever tried running away from your shadow? How'd that work for you? Probably not too well. The shadow of the tree doesn't follow you where you decide to go. You have to to stay with the tree. And it starts right here. It starts right here in the Word of God as the songwriter admonished, spending much time in secret with Jesus alone. Look at the end of verse 4 of Psalm 91. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. If I could just briefly share a personal testimony. Several weeks ago, I was feeling quite low. It was a feeling of of emptiness and worthlessness. And it was because I was not in close fellowship with God and therefore was not under the protection that he offered. I wasn't behind the shield of God's word and the devil was throwing those fiery darts at me and I wasn't getting the protection that I need. Brothers and sisters, if I could challenge you on this point, if you ever feel low, run to God. Open your Bible and get back on holy ground. Don't waste time letting those feelings fester and, and turn your days and your, your weeks, your months, and your, and your years into desert wastelands of fruitlessness. It's a, it's a lonely place to be and it's dangerous. But as I look to God in my distress and through the circumstances around me, He led me to Psalm 91. As I got down to verse 4, those, those last eight words jumped out at me. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Can you say those words with me this morning? His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. As I continued reading elsewhere in Scripture, God had some truths for me that day that rolled away the fog and drew me back to his side. And he'll have the truth that you need in those times of your distress when you're under attack but don't wait until the attack comes stay in close fellowship with him so that you can get the protection that you need right away so now get this picture in your head look at look at verse four he says he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust so the protection that he provides is not is not a just a protection over us He's also provided us with a means of protection that we can hold on to. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Well, a shield is an instrument of war that you hold on to protect from what is thrown at you. The word buckler, I've come to find means to completely surround a person. Other other translations use the word bulwark or, or rampart which is basically like a wall of dirt or of, of a whole bunch of, of like concrete or, or something that stops projectiles from reaching you. A couple years ago, we, we visited some, some earthen bulwarks in, in West Virginia from the, the Civil War time. And it was incredible to see the, the huge mounds of dirt that were virtually impenetrable. If you've ever shot or, or thrown anything into a pile of dirt, you'll, you'll quickly realize that dirt makes a great breaking mechanism. Or if you've ever fallen on the ground, you'll realize that it makes a great breaking mechanism. That's what God's truth is for us. God's got us pretty well covered, don't you think? I'd like to get really practical here about how God's truth can be our shield. So, I'd like to look at, at four specific lies that each of us have or maybe will face at some point in our life that we need God's protection for. Now, when the devil throws lies at us, sometimes we won't recognize them as lies, but when we are in fellowship with God, the truth that, the truth that he gives us will help will be our shield, and it will help us identify and defeat those lies before they do us harm. Verse 3 says, surely he that is God shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler. That's the enemy. Surely he shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. And here's how he does it. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Now, we're going to illustrate this very vividly, okay? This is Bible hour, so I can get away with a little bit of activity, okay? So take, take your Bibles and, and close them so you don't hurt them. And I want you to hold it up like a shield, okay? Hold it up like a shield. I've got four planes here, four paper airplanes that, that have these lies written on them. Using your Bible as a shield, I want you to I want you to protect yourself against this okay i 'm going to throw these at random, so i 'm not, I'm not picking on anyone specifically. and if it hits your Bible and or, or, or lands near you, I want you to pick it up and read what 's on it, okay? After you read it, we 're going to see what God says about that lie, and then I want you to throw it back at me so we don 't have a bunch of heresy floating around this building, okay? All right, four lies at the the enemy attacks us with. Here's line number one. And by the way, if, if you don't want to throw it back, there's a bunch of boys around here that are really good at throwing paper planes. You can hand it off to one of them, okay? All right. Four lies that the enemy throws at us. <laughs> Nobody. Okay, well, <laughs> well, that's good. Sometimes he's a really bad aim. Could somebody grab that and, and read it for us? doesn't matter what you think about. What does God say about that? Does it really matter what you think about, yes or no? It does. does. God says, gird up the loins of your mind. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. In other words, what you think about will come out in your actions. It matters what you think. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, praiseworthy, these are the things that you should be thinking about. The command is, if it doesn't meet this criteria, throw it out. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, every thought, every thought to the obedience of Christ. It matters what you think. It matters what you think. You see how God's truth just thoroughly demolishes those lies? All right, go ahead and throw that back up here. Great. <laughs> All right, Satan's lie, number number two. All right, you ready for it? Somewhere over there. Man, I better get better at my aim here. Otherwise, otherwise we're going to take forever here. All right, what does it say there? You are worthless and good for nothing. You'll never amount to much. What does God say about that? Luke chapter 12, verse 5. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? and not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not ye, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. See, a sparrow is a small bird that we might not consider has much value. But if God values the tiny, but God does value the tiny sparrow enough to always watch it and to always know how it's doing. And for us, Who are the the crowning jewel of his creation god has every last insignificant part of us accounted for down to the very hairs of our head you know you can lose your hair and still live (laughs) the hairs on your head at least i think most of us can some of us might have to go find another job if we lose our hair because there's time we spend in the front of the mirror but okay I'm gonna leave that one alone and if he is attentive to those insignificant things how much more does he value the things that truly are significant in our lives you are valuable to God you are valuable to God and you can take comfort in that Jeremiah 29 11 says for I know the thoughts or the plans that I have for you saith the Lord plans of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Your worth to God is greater than you'll ever know. He loves you and he's got a plan to use you to do great things for him and that is the truth. That's the truth. Line number three, let's see if we can do better at this one. There you go. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> Oh. you'll never get victory over that sinful habit. The temptation is just too great for you. You'll never get victory over that sinful habit. The temptation is just too great for you. You know, this is one of the ugliest, most disgusting lies that the devil throws at us. Sadly many of us believe it. But God says, There had no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Even the sinful habits that we think we are bound to do not have to remain as part of our lives. Whenever we are tempted to sin, we have this promise that with every temptation, God provides a way for us to escape. Every time. Every time. Here's line number four. All right, let's see if this plane flies straight. Oh. <laughs> you just weren't made to share the gospel with people. You just weren't made to share the gospel with people. You just weren't made to share the gospel with people. We have an example in in Scripture of of a man who who thought this way. His name was Moses. Not specifically with the gospel, but with an assignment that God had for him. God gave Moses a task, and and Moses tried brushing it aside by telling God that he just wasn't cut out for it. He, he he, He said to God, in essence, God, I don't know how to speak. You know, I can relate to that. Speaking doesn't come natural to me like others, and, and you can say amen to that. But here's how God responded to him. Exodus 4, 11, And the Lord said to him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who hath made the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Listen, every part of our bodies God has made. He made them, and He knows how to use them for His glory. All He asks of us is that we yield them to Him. Because God gives us what we need to do, what He calls us to do, and we can trust Him for it. We've been given an assignment, and it's an assignment that wasn't just given to those who have a knack for speaking, or being a people person, it was given to all of us. Mark 16, 15 says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The amazing thing about this is he doesn't leave us alone to do it. He says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Do you believe that truth? You were made to share the gospel with people, so trust the Lord for opportunities and trust him to help you to share. You know, there's so many ways that the enemy tries to deceive us, but the incredible thing about God's word is that for every lie that the enemy throws at us, God's word has the answer for it. 2 Peter 1-2 says, His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Are you fellowshipping with your Savior? Are you dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, the place of fellowship with God? Are you taking his word as your shield? Perhaps you're here today and you have not trusted Jesus to save you. Jesus took your debt of sin by dying on the cross. The Bible tells us that if we believe on him and what he did to pay for our sins, we can have eternal life and be rescued from the punishment and the separation from God that we deserve. If that is your need, you can trust Jesus to save you today. Maybe there's some young person here that has never done that. If you'd like to know more about how you can be saved, I'd love to show you or or guide you to someone who can and show you that. But if you are saved today, remember this, that you'll never live victoriously in this life if you're not in fellowship with your Savior. God protects us from making wrong choices and and going astray when we are in fellowship with him. It's not a complicated... Fellowshiping is not a complicated process that only mature individuals can have. It's something that the youngest child who knows Jesus can have. It's all about spending time with him, getting to know him through his word, and, and talking to him in the same way that you talk with a friend. Can I encourage you all, Get to know your God. He will bring all the joy and satisfaction that your heart will ever long for. He will be all the protection that you need. And he will be the greatest friend that you'll ever have. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the truth that you have given us in your word this morning. Thank you for the protection that you offer in Jesus. Lord, I pray that if there's some soul who knows you that is in bondage, today, that you would free them. Lord, that they would recognize that the place of protection is in you, not in trying harder, but in trusting you more. Lord, thank you for the provision of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we can come into your presence to walk with you each day. Pray that you would bless in the rest of this day that it would be glorifying to you. In Jesus' name,